0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So I've got the pleasure tonight of sharing my life verse. So uh, what, what is a life verse? I hear you ask. So it's a passage of Scripture that has been a constant source of encouragement since uh, since you were a young Christian. So for me, it's a lens at which I look at life through. So it's a filter at which I look at problems and situations that are in front of me. It's an anchor for me that I come back to when there's storms in life. So many Christians have a life verse, but you may not know it as a life verse. You may uh, have it as a one or two or three scriptures that you come back to, but you always come back to those. So I'm going to be sharing about mine And my life verse is Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, that you love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. To set a bit of a picture, the context for this is that Jesus has entered Jerusalem and he's sitting in the temple and having a conversation with these Pharisees and Sadducees who are the uh, religious elite of the day. And uh, during Jesus' ministry, he had been having these running battles with the Pharisees and the Sadducees because Jesus had, been, had come and he'd upset the order. He'd changed things. He'd been saying things that were counterculture to that time. So where we are at the moment is Jesus has just been questioned at length by the Pharisees. And they try to trap him with this final question. You see, the Pharisees had taken the Ten Commandments that Moses had come down the mountain with and had expanded them to 613 laws, religious laws, let alone every other law. And the Pharisees had memorised each one of these laws. So Jesus responds with the greatest commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbour as yourself. And I'm sure that we could all recite that just as easily as we could recite John 3.16. You see, I, I grew up in Sejuna and I have the great pleasure of taking my family back there uh, quite regularly to see my family who are still living there. And uh, as if some of you don't know, it's a beautiful resort village. Um, <laughs> if you're thinking of going to Cairns, don't go that far. <laughs> just go to Sejuna. So Ceduna, it's just under 800 kilometres, it's a nine or ten hour drive west of Adelaide. And with my family, we get to go back, we see my family and um, we've got this beautiful car, it has air conditioning, it has uh, iPads, well the car doesn't have iPads, I give the girls the iPads, which keeps them entertained. We have the little TV screens in the back of the headrests which they just watch movies for eight hours straight. They come out like zombies with square eyes. But you see, back when I was growing up in the, in the early 1990s, my dad had this green Ford Falcon with leather seats, with no air conditioning, and there'd be my mum and my dad and my brother and I driving from Sejuna to Adelaide, because Adelaide was the holiday destination, which says a lot about Sejuna, I guess and there'd be my brother and I and we'd be in the back seat it's hot it's sweaty your legs are sticking to the leather seats and you lift them up and you get that (laughs) sound one hour goes by two hours go by three hours go by and two brothers in the back seat do what all brothers do in the back seat we end up just fighting I don't know what it is but it's always my brother's fault I can tell you that much And it always ends up, because my brother was older, or he still is older than me, he's four years older than me, it always ends up with me getting a dead leg or a dead arm, just my brother just thumping me, because that's how you win arguments, um, according to the brother code. (laughs) And that's when I would, as the youngest brother, I'd call out, Mum! Andrew hit me! And my brother, my mum, would swing around, and she'd just have that look that mums have, Don't you touch your brother. This is my mum talking to my brother. Don't touch him. Don't hit him. I don't want to hear another peep. Has anyone been there on those long distance, those family car rides? So my mum has that look that you know, don't mess with her. Mum's in only a way that a mum can do. And so my brother who's um, just, we're just sitting there. We're sitting separately. There's a line down the middle of the seat. Right down the middle. That's my side. This is mine. This is your side. And my brother, it goes quiet. And then after 15, 20 minutes, my brother just does this with his finger. (laughs) Just puts his finger out just a little bit over the line. And then all of a sudden, I see this finger in my peripheral vision right here, about an inch away from my face. So what my brother is doing is he's living by the law of what my mum said down, don't touch your brother but he's annoying the heck out of me. I'm the one who ends up going, "Mom, Andrew's not touching me. And Mum going, you're an idiot. No, she never said that. I love you, Mum. See, my brother, like the Pharisees, was following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. You see, the Pharisees had gotten lost memorising and enforcing the law that they'd forgotten the reason behind the law and they'd missed the spirit behind it. And in this short passage in Matthew 22, Jesus is reminding the religious lawyers and he's reminding us that the spirit of the law is love. And that is the greatest thing that we can do. So let's zoom out. Let's uh, pinch out of our Google Maps, zoom out 2,000 years from dusty Jerusalem, from the camels, the donkeys, and let's zoom in here at Victory Church 2016. How does this apply to us here today? So what does loving God and loving others look like? I believe it's seen in three different areas. Loving God and loving others is seen in our actions. I've got a beautiful family. I've been married 12 years. Um, Sarah, my wife, here on the front row. And I've got these two beautiful girls, Isla and Amelia. And if you've ever had the pleasure to meet them, you'll know that they're just lovely girls. You see... Uh, When I come home from work every day, um, I don't just walk in the door and say, Honey, I'm home. Hey, kids. And then go to my den. Does anyone have a den these days? (laughs) I would love to have a den. I don't go into my man cave and then just sit on my computer all night. But what I do is I get down on their level. I say, Hey, Isla. Hey, Emily. I love you. I sit down with them. I play with them. We love to play UNO together generally ends with me losing 20 years of practice and I'm losing to a four-year-old. I hug them. I spend time with them. And in, the, and in the same way, to love God is to love what He loves and He loves His church. And if we love His church, our actions will reflect that. So an easy way to show love is to serve. We're blessed with many areas in this church. It's a big church. We've got a fantastic kids' ministry. We've got a phenomenal hosting team. The cafe is amazing. We're blessed with so many different areas to serve in the church. I understand that sometimes there's a a season for us to sit, to be able to receive, but God loves us too much just to leave us there. You can only receive so much. And you'll never find real fulfillment. You'll never find real love until you give. See, sometimes we wait for the perfect opportunity and we wait for the, uh, the doves to appear or an angel to descend from heaven or, 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 or the audible voice of God to say, move and do this. It's time that you volunteered in the kids' team. <laughs> but that'll never happen. See, we've just got to do something. Yeah. Just make yourself available. See, we could be waiting forever for the perfect timing. We could be waiting forever for the perfect opportunity. We could be waiting forever for the perfect opening. But we sometimes we've just got to move. We're created to be fruitful. We're not created to just be consumers. You see, God's given us giftings and God's given us talents. And the world will tell us to take those talents and to invest them into your job to invest them into earning money, into your superannuation, into your share portfolio. Because the secret to real happiness is earning money and the secret to real happiness is having a house and having a car to be able to retire early. But it will leave you empty. There's so much more to life than that. You have a purpose, you have a calling and it's only in giving our life away that we find out what life's all about. See, I love the story of David and Goliath. David is a hero of mine and its um, he's one of the guys that I come back to. Um, so David, as a young boy, he's out in the paddock with his sheep as a shepherd and Samuel comes, the great prophet of that time, and he anoints him as king, as king of all of Israel. Imagine that, a shepherd boy and the greatest prophet of that time comes and says to him, you're going to be king of all of israel he then goes back to his paddock which is a hard thing because sometimes if some you know if someone came and offered me a job i'd be like yeah let's do it here's where's the keys to my new office but david goes back to the paddock he's had a promise that he would be in the palace but for the time being he needs to stay in the paddock there comes a time in david's life He's working as a shepherd, he's looking after his family's sheep and his brothers have been able to go to war, to fight against the Philistines. The Philistines are a group of people that the Israelites who David belonged to were fighting against on and off for a long time. And the way that it was set up was that we had the Philistines on one hill with their army and their camps and their tents with a valley in the middle, and the Israelites on the other side, with their army, with their tents, and with their people. And every day, Goliath, this nine-foot giant, would come out, and he would yell across the valley, asking for someone just to come and fight him. And whoever would win this fight, if the Philistines won and Goliath won in that battle, then the Philistines would serve the Israelites. And if the Israelites won, if the Philistines won, then the Israelites would serve the Philistines. Does that make sense? You see, Goliath made these threats over and over every day for 40 days and every day the Israelites would come out in full battle array. They'd come out in all of their armour and they'd stand there scared. They'd stand there with their knees shaking. And it was at this point that David came in. See, David had been asked by his dad to deliver some food to his brothers. And as soon as David heard Goliath making these threats, David heard someone cursing his God. David sprung into action. And that's the thing I love about David. David was a man of action. See, David didn't consult with that prophet. He didn't come back and read the Bible and wait for three words of confirmation David just bent down, he picked up five smooth stones and said, I'll challenge you. You see, the thing about David is that if he didn't spend time in the paddocks, he wouldn't have learnt to kill the lion. If David didn't spend time in the paddocks, he wouldn't have learnt to kill the bear. And if David didn't spend time in the paddocks, he wouldn't have learnt to kill Goliath either. There's a purpose in your paddock. You haven't been left to dry. You haven't been forgotten about. God hasn't forgotten you. Sometimes we cry out, God, use me. And God's saying, you're exactly where I want you to be. Just do something. You see, it doesn't have to be big. God just wants us to do something. It could be replacing the toilet roll. It's a challenge in our house with our two girls, but we're getting there. It could be buying a bunch of flowers for a colleague or it could be buying a coffee for the cleaner or it could be waving with your whole hand instead of just one finger when someone cuts you off in traffic. You see, God's not asking you to change the whole world but he's asking you to change someone's world. So what does loving God and loving others, I believe it's seen in our actions but I also believe it's seen in her attitude. Now, I love coffee. And when I say that, I mean it. I mean, I love coffee. I love, and, you know, if you're asking, my brew of choice is a latte. After the service, feel free to... <laughs> no, it's too late for that. Decaf, maybe. See, the thing I love about coffee is that there's an art form in it. And, it's, you know, you may scoff at that, but there's an art form in it, you... You see, the, the the barista will will grind the beans to a specific setting, and he'll tap it into the little nozzle thing, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> I'm not trained at all. He'll pour that beautiful shot of coffee. He'll pour the foam and the milk in and make that beautiful little love heart on top, or a or a swan if you you know you're really lucky and that barista just loves making you a coffee and you can taste it you see i've been to uh, i've been here when Mick's behind the the counter and Mick just loves making coffee and it shows and every now and then he comes and goes oh feel i've got these special beans you should try them and and Mick just loves making coffee but i've been to macca's i've been to coles you see these They're making coffee. They're going through the process. They're doing the same steps, but there's something missing. They don't love coffee. They don't want me to have a good experience. They're just invested in getting me a coffee and me getting out of there. And you know, sometimes church can be a process. Sometimes it can be a pattern of behaviour. We come, we give, we sing songs, we go home, and then we come back and repeat everything next week. See, going through the motions is the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Going through the motions is that finger in my face version of going to church. See, I love going to the footy. I love getting to uh, Adelaide Oval now, especially as I don't have to drive five hours to get to Amy Stadium. I love getting along to a Crows match. And I've got to tell you, if you've ever been to a Crows match at Adelaide Oval, especially when Eddie Betts is dominating, it is hard to be quiet. We sing, we chant, we boo at the umpires, especially when we're playing Hawthorn. It's hard to stay silent, but church is different sometimes, isn't it? But I don't know why we have this world-class worship. We've got a great atmosphere. During worship, do I lift our hands? Do we change our posture from closed and negative to open and surrendered? Now, I love to sing. I love to get up the front and jump around with the youth and with the kids. There's so much energy there. And, I, and, and I've got to tell you, there's a reason why I've been asked to share my life verse and not lead worship. I'm just the worst singer <laughs> in the world. I'm a terrible singer. But the point is, it's so loud. There's so many people around me that I don't care. People can't hear me anyway. So we, I love to sing loud. I love to lift my hands. I love to jump. Let's get passionate. During the message, do we lean in? Do we take notes? I'd love to know how many times we've checked Facebook during this message. There's no test. It was just a rhetorical question. You see, if we're coming to church every week, why be miserable? It's just like the back of my family car, the brother in my finger, with his finger in my face, brother in my finger. That's weird. The spirit versus the letter of the law. You see, this life verse has helped me to love the church, not just go to church. So what is our attitude towards our neighbour? It's so easy to be, easy to be judgmental. It's so easy to make automatic assumptions when you see someone. If we see someone walking through the door with, you know, big long beard, tattoos, ripped jeans, what judgment do we make? And I've got to tell you, that's probably half our church right there. I'm looking at you, Paul O'Neill, Sean Laws. You see, our attitude affects our behaviour. Love causes us to be welcoming. Love causes us to be generous. Love causes us to be friendly. And love even causes us to smile sometimes. What does loving God and loving others look like? I believe it's seen in our actions, in our attitudes but I also believe it's seen in her adoration. If you you have anyone in your life at the moment who has just had a baby, you'll know what adoration looks like by looking at their Facebook feed. They will fill up their Facebook feeds with hundreds of photos of their children. I did it when we had uh, Isla... I did it when we had Amelie. Every single step along the way, I was so proud. I'd take a photo. Oh, here's Amelie smiling, or she could be passing wind. Here's Amelie rolling over. Here's Amelie sitting up. Hundreds of photos. And the great thing is, with our iPhones these days, I can corner you on the street and show you photos. I <laughs> don't think you're escaping. I'm so proud of my girls. I'm so passionate about my girls but I'm also proud of this church. We have phenomenal leaders in Tony and Kath, world-class worship, an amazing youth team. It's a great church. And anyone who visits us talks about our hosting. We've got a a national... Our youth team is known nationwide. Our kids' program is known internationally. But if we look closely, you'll always find a negative. There's always going to be something that we could look at and go, well, I wish we'd do that better. But that's the finger-in-your-face version of going to church. We're going through the motions. It's the Spirit versus the letter of the law. You see, recently I got this new car, new work car. I don't get brand-new cars ever. So it was such a an amazing thing to have a brand-new car. And I pulled in the lot, parking lot here, and Benno was uh, in there doing something, probably just hanging out. Hiding from Elise, whatever. And Benno saw my car and he came up and it was fresh, it was brand new and it had that new car smell that, you know, fades after about six months. And he got in and we, he was asking me all these questions about things I didn't know. He was asking me about the kilowatts, the hectopascals, the kilojoules. And I had no idea. So we turned up the sound system, that's the one thing I do know about it. Turned up the sound system, the air conditioner works, I can show you that. (laughs) The seats are comfortable. But what I could have done is I could have said, Benno, come around the back and have a look at this. See where the shopping trolley dinged the side? Or I could have said, have a look on the roof where the bird left a message as he flew over. (laughs) It's so easy to find the negative in anything. And in loving God and in loving others, we overlook these and we celebrate the positives. God chose to love us despite our faults. He chose to love us despite our failures. And are we the same with the church? What is our language like when we talk about the church? Is it positive, uplifting, celebrating the successes, or is it negative and fault-finding? You see, we've got this amazing Christmas production coming up in several weeks, and it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be amazing. And when we talk about it, let's talk it up. Let's talk about the amazing things. Let's talk about our phenomenal band and team that's going to be playing, the rides, the food. Let's talk it up. Let's talk about the great things that are happening. Let's not talk about the negatives. It's so easy to find the negatives and to talk about them. If we're walking past in the, in the this is a, a great one of mine, and I have to catch myself all the time. You walk in the cafe and you walk by and there's chips on the ground or there's rubbish on the ground. And you walk by and you go, oh man, kids, just leaving rubbish everywhere. And we just walk by it and we shake our head and think, man, these kids disrespecting our house, house of worship. See, the other other alternative is to walk by and pick up those chips, pick up that rubbish and to put it in the bin and to thank God that they're here in church. You see, there's so many churches around. They would love to have a youth program and to have the amount of youth that we have here tonight. There are so many churches around that would love to have a phenomenal kids program and a kids pastor like we do here. Tony shared recently that we need to feel what Jesus feels, to build what Jesus is building. And I believe that we need to adore what Jesus adores. God adores the church. And God adores you. He loves you. You may have had people tell you that you're worthless, but God says, I will take delight in you with gladness. With my love, I will calm you all your fears. I will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You may have had people tell you that you'll never amount to anything, but God says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and to give you a hope. You may have had people tell you that the world will be better off without you, but God says, You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to know that you have value, that you have worth, that you are loved, and that God adores you. So what does loving God and loving others look like? I believe it's seen in our actions. I believe it's seen in our attitude. And I believe it's seen in our adoration. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, You see, life and Christianity can sometimes just get a little bit too complicated. Christianity is really quite simple. If we love God and love others, everything else will fall into place. We love God and love others through our actions. We do something. We just don't wait for that perfect opportunity, but we do something. We love God and love others through our attitude. We lift our hands, we lean in, and we give our best. And we love God and love others through our adoration. Through our adoration of the church and of those that God loves. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.